thoughts, opinions, and general overall shade thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at 9 with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. That's right. It is Thursday, January 25th. And today is, that's right, Rico, you guessed it, bro. It is National Florida Day. Oh, yeah. It's also (laughs) National. for everybody. (laughs) It's also National Irish Coffee Day, National Op, and National Opposite Day. But nonetheless, it's also. It's also the evening time for everyone that's out there in Thailand. There's a lot of people out there in Thailand, so we want to say good evening to all of them as well. And thank you for joining us and getting high at 9 with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. You can look down below on your screen to see where we live on the Internet. And we are live every Monday through Friday on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and on our very own website at www.hyatt9news.com. That's right. But... Kicking it off today, that's right, we have none other than the dope dad himself, Mr. Rico Lamite, the Quasimodo caretaker and the father to little baby Zozo. That's right, it's none other than the dope dad himself, Rico Lamite. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And um, you guys know that I'm all about following the money every chance that I get. In Marijuana Moments, Kyle Yeager reported yesterday that aid... At Uber and the Office of Colorado's governor are among a lengthy list of powerful entities uh, who have disclosed federal lobbying on marijuana, um, uh, excuse me, on a marijuana reform legislation this past quarter, according to a newly released report. Uh, Amazon, American Express, was alongside pharmaceutical companies, labor unions, cannabis businesses, prohibitionist uh, organizations, and others. Uh, that have all uh, that have all continued to put pressure on Congress in one way or the other over various cannabis-related uh, proposals, according to the 2023 fourth quarter reports filed with the Senate and House of Representatives required by law. Um, it appears to be the first time that the uh, ride-sharing and delivery service Uber has been uh, involved in federal cannabis lobbying with a report filed Monday showing expenses related to advocacy around bipartisan secure and fair enforcement regulation, Jason's favorite safe banking act, or now as they call it safer, whatever that means. Um, But it has advanced in the Senate as well as its house counterpart. CDC says teen pot use is declining in Washington after legalization, but this is uh, that is on a separate report. The legislation uh, cleared a Senate committee last September, and its uh, pending floor action would prevent federal regulators from penalizing financial institutions simply for working with state-licensed cannabis businesses. The lobbying report doesn't say where Uber stands on the proposal, but it has historically embraced the marijuana industry, pr- providing cannabis delivery services in Canada post-legalization. We reported on that. Uh, its CEO has also expressed openness to expanding its offering to to include marijuana delivery via uh, um, uh, Uber as well if U.S. federal law changes. But the lobbying report disclosure simply lists the cannabis banking bill as a focus, indicating that the businesses uh, feel the potential to, uh, for incremental policy change could have key implications for the company, regardless of the fact that cannabis would remain federally prohibited if it was enacted. Marijuana Moment reached out to Uber for comment, but they did not have a representative to respond at the time. 
Um, the Office of Colorado Governor Jared Polis also reported lobbying expenses related to his office's cannabis policy reform advocacy in Congress. Uh, tracking report on, uh, is, is available uh, via link uh, um, um, on Hyatt9news.com as well. A description of the lobbying activity says, referencing a letter Paulus sent alongside five other governors this uh, last month, imploring the Biden administration to reschedule cannabis uh, under the Controlled Substances Act by the year's end. Here's a list of some of the bigger companies on the lobbying list. Uh, Altria, Amazon, um, Altria obviously is a um, a tobacco company, Uh, American Bankers Association, American Express, Cresco Labs, Curaleaf, Jazz Pharmaceuticals, um, uh, and there's a normal, trying to run through these quickly, PayPal uh, also, very interesting, PayPal's in there too. PayPal's trying to get in there uh, quickly before the other banks uh, um, that have a lot more red tape uh, um, uh, pull the trigger too. And um, I think that's all of the big notable ones on there, but there's, there is a lengthy list and um, all of their contributions definitely within our website. So check that out too. Uh, what do you think about this team? Uber is now getting more official official in the US. Uh, they've been maneuvering as such in Canada already. Um, I could definitely see um, their, uh, that not they're just their courier service, but also Uber Eats transitioning into uh, trying to take over the um, delivery market in major markets at, at the very least um, by the end of the year. I'm Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street for Hyatt 9 News. Love to hear your thoughts on this one. Follow the money. Man, oh man. I mean, I mean, I guess it would be very, very efficient for a lot of places to be able to offer delivery if uber did get in the game and then a lot of the, a lot of these businesses wouldn't have to incur those overhead expenses in regards right. to uh the high high insurance the uh, car liability all all of that type of stuff on top of just having an extra person as an employee for the driver yeah and they're not employees either so yeah i think that's going to be really interesting because the states are uh states are going to have to because i believe in majority of all the states you have to be actual employee of the cannabis business in order to in order to deliver so therefore that would be an interesting change that would have to take place in a number of different states in order for that even to be reality i can see a big fight between these um these uh emerging um you know, this emerging push for unions. Yeah, I was gonna. Um, yeah, that's they're gonna hate this the most. The unions are gonna hate this the most. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but I, I set these businesses up, guys, and the costs that are associated with these regulations are just crippling. Mm-hmm. Just crippling. Um, and you can see that a lot of companies are looking down the road or sort of around the corner when this is going to lighten up and actually be legalized and some of these you know it's a tell about who is interested in looking to be involved in this um and you're right jason in california uh, you have to be an actual employee of a retail a licensed retail cannabis store delivered to drive a delivery vehicle Mm -hmm. which creates all sorts of headaches and problems employees you know as to be blunt they're pain in the ass okay mm-hmm. you want to move all the empl- all the work you can off to somebody else let them be responsible for all the labor code and all the laws everywhere but i just don't think we're going to we're going to actually get there uh, at least not soon so i'm mean, interested to see how many people are looking down the road to jump in this because they're not going to spend lobbying money unless somebody at the corporate level decided hmm, it's worth our while and technically speaking the banking industry is still subject to money laundering they're involved in this. So I can see why they want to, you know, take away their liability. This paperwork you have, these these FinCEN reports you have to do are just unbelievable. The amount of work it takes to not be you know, brought in as a money launderer, even doing credit card work. It's, it's just nonsensical how hard this is, and it shouldn't be that hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, J- Justin in the chat, he says, uh, we, we all knew this is Ease's big chance to finally sell out to them. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think about that? Is that, that I mean, that, that, that could be a big well, thing. You know, you picture Uber purchasing Ease. Uh, yeah, I mean, but... I think it would what be they tough call it, Uber for them Ease? to do that be as as a publicly traded company because um, 
like where's the money like there's not a lot of uh, money being created in the cannabis industry and you have to have uh, shareholder votes to make like huge decisions like this and i can see a, a major pushback from shareholders on this because um where's all the money available within cannabis uh, uh, delivery services it seems like it's gonna be more of a drain on their pockets and uber has been proven time and time again that they are not profitable and they're just draining cash right now so um i don't know yeah it, it could be interesting because and they acquire or license uh drizzly the alcohol app and i think they're sunsetting that now um yep. But then also Uber Eats already provides cannabis delivery in certain markets in Canada. So it'd be interesting to see how that's performing. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're using that as a test mm -hmm. to see what they could do in the United States. That's hey, You know what, Rochelle, that's a great point. That's probably why they decided all of a sudden to start getting into the lobbying game here in the U.S. is because they're already uh, d doing it successfully in Canada. That's a great. Yeah, point. it was a test market. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was it was a test market for them in Canada, and it was interesting because they couldn't do it in Ontario. Ontario only allows um, delivery by mail by their um, by their mail service. So um, <laughs> how stupid is that? <laughs> well, that's well, that's why they're all pissed off because uh, um, all the retailers are pissed off right now because they said the government's taking uh, the only little bit of profit that is available uh, uh, in. Ontario um, um, by monopolizing the uh, uh, the delivery service mm -hmm. there. It's treating it like depleted uranium that's just got to stop. I mean, it's if you know if if a kid touches a flower, they're not going to you know not going to go into a coma and have to be hospitalized. I mean, stop this nonsense. Mm -hmm. Oh. It's just hard to deal with. It's crazy, Dale. I'm with you, buddy. Jason's I'm with you. Favorite governmental structure, Canada. I'm surprised. Oh, I'm surprised uh, about the PayPal, the PayPal uh, being involved yeah. because six years ago, I think I got a lifetime ban for PayPal for selling CBD, and it's just here they here they come. I wonder if I get my PayPal account back finally. Well, yeah, that, <laughs> I think I think that's I, probably I, I, one of the I reasons why Stone down off of PayPal. For... <laughs> What's that? What's that? I was gonna say that, 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 that's probably that's probably a good reason why is because they've had to deactivate so many accounts and then that way oh, they wow. can they can bring all of these customers back and be like, hey guys, great news, federal government did this and now we can have you back as custies. That's pretty much yes. what that is. It's all about money, guys. Mm -hmm. If someone's making money and you're not, you want to find how to get in that stream of commerce. Yep. And this is just, I mean, traditional businesses that sit down in a board meeting and go, okay, we're going to get involved in this. And the answer is uh, probably not. But lobbying to make it easier. Now, that might be, you know, a selling point to shareholders to get involved. Do we take away some of these nonsensical restrictions? So you can see what they're trying to do. Um, but, you know, it's still, it's technically money laundering to be involved with moving any money around that's gained from violating the Controlled Substances Act, period, end of conversation. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're all concerned about. You can have all these Rohrbacher or whatever the fuck you want to call them, conclusions, but as soon as that goes away, then you've got five-year statute of limitations to worry about all the shit you did. And the government, I'm telling you, they're not nice. If they're, I mean, I got hooked up in a five-year statute of limitations bullshit mm -hmm. out in plants for me, and it tells me I don't trust them as far as I can throw them. You got to remove all these federal restrictions, or I wouldn't advise a major corporation to get involved in this bullshit. Mm -hmm. Right. I think it, it does fit uh, PayPal's uh, profile as a financial disruptor. Your profile. Um, I can see them, them moving a lot quicker than any of these banks if Safer Banking gets uh, um, um, passed. Look at Rico. Rico's profiling. Interesting. Hey. Well, I can tell you, <laughs> I had some cellmates in prison mm -hmm. who tried playing around with banking and money and stuff like that. So just, you know, I to be careful because eating with a spork gets real old. You guys, hey. you had some guys in there for those white collar crimes, huh, there, Dale? Some cellies? Oh, man. Some pen pals? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. He convinced himself it was okay until the FBI showed up and it's like, oh, shit. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're I, going to jail, dude. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's what I thought. I thought everything's always okay until they show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you then know. you better have a damn good lawyer. Oh, Even man. then, you're still going to be eaten with a spork for a while. Oh, that's <laughs> for sure. Lots of bologna sandwiches. But nonetheless, we're going to keep this rolling and roll right into a commercial, and we're going to be right back. Hey, you, America. Do I look like Sean Connery? <laughs> 
morning, America. Saman Razani coming to you live from sunny Los Angeles, California with the one and only highest host, Mr. Jason Beck, smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast? You can find it on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. No excuses in 2024. If you haven't checked us out, check it out now. And also, check out what The Prophet's doing in 2024. He's always the highest Republican in the room, known for smoking the best weed in the world. And when he's not on his private jet, you know what? You can always catch him in Florida, where he is a part-time Florida man. And he is uh, preparing his taxes this year, uh, taking care of those 1099s. Jason Beck, what do you have for us today? Oh, yeah, Rico. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Happy, happy Thursday. Oh, man, South Dakota, there's a critical threat to medical marijuana. Fail or falls as lawmakers consider nine cannabis bills. And just so you know, this is a edited version of the story, the full version of the story. You can read directly on our website at www.hyatt9news.com. But a bill to force patients to get cards through primary care docs was among proposals for 2024. A Senate panel chaired by a multiple Uh, by a member of the state's Medical Marijuana Oversight Committee, shot down a bill on Wednesday with far-reaching implications for cannabis patients. Among nine bills that would adjust South Dakota's medical cannabis laws, the legislative session in in Peary, um, seven remain alive, including bills to hike the price of a dispensary license, allow police to search dispensaries, and force prescribers to notify a patient's primary care provider about their receipt of a card. The now scuttled uh, Senate Bill 82 was the most concerning for cannabis advocates, according to Jeremiah Murphy, a lobbyist for the Cannabis Industry Association of South Dakota. He says it, it, it would have required citizens to get medical marijuana cards from their primary care provider or through a referral from a provider and defined what constitutes a primary care provider. Opponents argue it, it cleared a simpler path to criminal criminal charges uh, for doctors who prescribe marijuana, and in quotes, Senate Bill 82 was absolutely the most critical threat out of what was there, Murphy uh, told South Dakota Searchlight after the bill's 5-2 defeat in the Senate Health and Human Services Committee. They got a lot of feedback from, from patients, on on that one and they they poked the the beehive as bees came out they said that that threat of criminal charges for doctors was a deciding factor for senator eric tobin republican from winnier tobin is a nurse by trade and chairs the senate health and human services committee she also sits on the medical marijuana oversight committee with the bill's sponsor senator jim melhoff republican from pierre The Oversight Committee discussed but did not endorse a host of ideas during its 2023 meetings. Uh, Melhaf and Tobin have each carried cannabis bills into the 2024 session, but the pair were split on SB 82. The bills attempt to define the term primary care provider in a profession where provider roles are too uh, malleable to fit snugly into legal terminology was especially problematic for Tobin. Some people see, see cardiologists for primary care she said others see doctors who may be unwilling to refer patients to that specific uh, for a marijuana card many don't have a primary care doctor at all and get care through a clinic during his testimony murphy noted that 30 percent of americans have no primary care doctor tobin argued on wednesday that medical professionals with questions about the legal veracity of their role as primary care doctors might be unlikely to prescribe medical cannabis to otherwise qualifying patients. In quotes, if there's a questionable piece to this, doctors are just going to pull it out, Tobin said. Mielhoff has been uh, peppered with feedback over this bill. He said most of it was from a reference to the ballot question that legalized medical marijuana four years ago, such as, are you trying to undo the will of the people, he said. That is not the case, Melhoff said. That is what I'm doing, he says. He, uh, he presented the bill as, an, as a curative to his pop-up clinics and satellite medical offices that offer patients a pathway to a medical marijuana card outside of a traditional clinic setting. 
The initiated measure that legalized medical cannabis was endorsed by 74% of voters in 2020, and its verbiage foresaw medical medical cards uh, flowing to patients through the conduit of a provider with whom the patient had a bona fide doctor-patient relationship via a direct prescription from the doctor or a referral. Mel Half's bill would have stuck that language, uh, added a definition of primary care provider, and made clear that doctors who write pot prescriptions without a previous relationship to the patient are in line for a class to misdemeanor. The current language hasn't prevented abuse of the system, Melhoff said, and in quotes, it's not being followed, Melhoff said, of the law's requirement for doctors to have a bona fide doctor-patient relationship before writing a pot prescription. In quotes, I think a lot of times they're they're preying on people's addictions, Melhoff said. Dr. Tamara Grove, a lobbyist for the anti-cannabis group protecting South Dakota kids, told the, co- the committee that nearly three times as many people than expected now have a medical marijuana cards in South Dakota, and there are 13,150 approved patient cards in the state. That people could be getting cards to use recreational marijuana, Grove said. That means the will of the voters has not been respected, and in quotes, the people of South Dakota did not indeed vote for medical, or did indeed vote for medical marijuana to be law, Grove said. What they did not vote for is recreational marijuana. Well, the prohibitionists are hard at work in South Dakota. And this is Jason Beck for the High at Nine News Hour. What do y'all think about this prohibitionist talk? Still fighting about this bullshit. Mm-hmm. It's, it's incredible. We, we tried to fix this in 96 in California with Prop 215. And there was a whole bunch of language, but when you boil down to it, if you were a physician, which meant you were an MD or a DO, and you gave someone a recommendation, whether it's verbal or in writing, the physician was protected from any adverse actions and the person was now a patient. And we still fought for years to get the DAs and prosecutors off our ass for all sorts of things. Um, in, in a medical perspective, Cannabis is not a lot different than telling somebody take two aspirin and call me in the morning. Mm-hmm. Hey, do you have to have a prior good faith exam and medical justification to prescribe marijuana? Uh, no, you can't prescribe it, and those rules don't apply. But doctors, you know, to be blunt, are pussies. They are not fighters. They're trying to help people. When it comes to the government growling at you, they they piss their pants and go, okay, whatever you say. Right, and the few that I've known um, either ended up in trouble or, uh, you know, ended up in prison with me. Molly had some stones the size of what Stone was talking about earlier, and she fought the government, but they made her a target, and they did it for a reason because they wanted to scare the shit out of other doctors into doing anything that looks the the government in the eye and says, "No, we're not going to do that." So it's just hard to watch this going on twenty. Five plus years later, mm-hmm. still the same nonsense. Uh, I don't know what to even say about that because the the nurse understands right. If you threaten the doctor with criminal prosecution, they ain't going to do it. I mean, that's it, caught up in the abortion struggle and all that stuff. You threaten the doctor, and they don't want any trouble. They're pusillanimous. They're there to help. Don't threaten my license. I'll do what you tell me to do. And it's you know I I can't I represent a lot of doctors and. Some of them have some stones, but most of them are just pussies. They're not going to fight. They'll do what they're told. <laughs> ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. They're blocking access, plain and simple, blocking mm-hmm. access, creating fear. Doctors aren't going to, like he said, like Dale said, not going to want to write prescriptions. A lot of those doctors aren't probably even qualified to write prescriptions and won't even think about going to cannabis. But it shouldn't be easier to go to any doctor you want and get opioids than it is to go and get a fucking recommendation for cannabis. Very true, Stone. Very, very good point. Very good points on there, you guys. Very good points. I do, I do think that they, uh, th- that the South Dakota legislature is way overstepping its, uh, its boundaries in regards with this, especially when they had a voter initiative. But at the same time, too, they already, uh, the Governor Christy Noem, uh, just ba- when the voters did pass this originally, just basically said, "Screw it, this, this isn't going into law." So, like, they, they have a history of not listening to their voters in South Dakota, in my opinion. Yeah, you beat me to the punch on that one, Jason. Um, I was very surprised to see her name not pop up so much in this article. Yeah, right. Because she was. 
is the crusader against that. She's like, I don't care what they say. We know what's best for the children. We know what's best for the state of, mm-hmm. <laughs> we know what's best for the state. Next issue. Get mm-hmm. Herschel Walker back out here to be my spokesperson. Oh, oh, oh man. Oh, man. You know, we're going to keep this train rolling. There's supposed to be some privacy involved here. Mm-hmm. No, and the state should not be involved in your medical decisions. And I don't recommend anybody get a card if they if they require you. I just covered the story about losing your gun rights because you get one of these goddamn cards. A lot of people don't want it. There's a lot of reasons why this continues to just be more difficult than it needs to be. And you look around the corner and the guy in the trap goes, hey, I got an eighth for you over here. Oh, the trap's you know, gonna win. You know, you're 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 right about that deal because I found it interesting that the prohibitionist, uh, the, the the lady that she she she's stating the number of patients that currently have cards in the state, and she's saying that because the state anticipated fewer numbers of cards, then it means that there must be this mass mass uh, uh, um, adulterated use of cannabis of people just claiming to have medical needs as opposed to wanting it for adult purposes is just asinine to me. I didn't realize she was so smart. People want to smoke weed. Just get over it and figure out a way to make that easier and stop filling the prisons and prosecuting people with this and scaring everybody. And mm-hmm. you know, But that's my wishful thinking. And I've been in this battle for Two and a half decades now, and I've got the same wish. Mm-hmm. Stop this nonsense. But, you know, here we still are. Yep. And uh, and on that, we are going to keep this train rolling. We're going to roll right into Mr. Attorney Dale Schaefer. He's the founder of Armada Law Practice, and at one point in time, he did some time for a cannabis crime. That's right. It's everyone's favorite T.O. Loco, Mr. Attorney Dale Schaefer. Uh, good morning. Good morning, everybody. My story this morning involves a direct challenge to the Rach versus Gonzalez case. Uh, it caught my attention yesterday in an article, and you know, let me just read you the headline here: DOJ seeks dismissal of challenge to federal cannabis ban. And what I read was the, um, the basically the uh, the government's motion to dismiss the case, and. I, I didn't read the uh, underlying complaint. It wasn't available. And some of this stuff, I don't really care yet because this is going to need to go up the chain of command to the Supreme Court and have them decide this. But it appears that a group of Massachusetts uh, cannabis businesses got together and sued the federal government, uh, Merrick Garland specifically, asking that um, that the court declare that the Controlled Substances Act, as it applies to uh, intrastate activities is unconstitutional and the government shot back oh you lack standing you know this controlled substance act does not exceed its commerce clause authority and you don't have a fundamental right to grow weed so you you know this is going to be judged on what we call the rational basis and on and on and on some of the same bullshit that comes out of the the department of justice and one of the things that caught my attention is this the uh, Department of Justice attorney said that for most of the history of America, marijuana has been extensively regulated and occasionally banned. And I said, now you're just lying, okay? You son of a bitches are just lying because th- that's not been the case, but they find it convenient to try to say things like that. And this is a challenge to the, the Rach case. And I've I've been mentioning many times over the last year or more that I've been doing this pro, this podcast here about the problem we have is that the Supreme Court extended commerce authority so far uh, that they're controlling non-commercial intrastate activity. And Angel Rach was uh, growing weed in the backyard. She had a seizure disorder. She took it in her house and used it. That was a challenge to um, federal authority. And in 2005, the Supreme Court said, uh, but if we dust off this old case from the New Deal uh, about wheat being grown in your your field to feed your animals and the federal government control that, we find authority here for the federal government through the Commerce Clause to control what you do inside your house if it's not going to leave your house and be commercial. And those of us involved in this just, you know, we were sick to our stomachs. Like, how can you do that? Oh, and by the way, they were waiting for that case to prosecute me, so I got indicted a week after that. So it was it was something that was irritating to me. Okay? And one of the hopes I have, I guess, is a hope, is that Clarence Thomas in the Rates decision, he was blunt. 
We have a constitution, we have a 10th amendment and all powers not given to the federal government belong to the state. Okay. So the reason the Commerce Clause exists is because in the Articles of Confederation, every state had you know, order tariffs, import expert, export tariffs and taxes, and they just were screwing up commerce, okay? So the Commerce Clause was put in place so the federal government has the right to uh, regulate commerce amongst the several states. So you read it, no, it's, it's interstate commerce. If it doesn't cross the state line, you don't have authority. And that's how this worked until uh, FDR uh, threatened to pack the courts in 1936, I believe, and, and one of the Supreme Court justices flipped and decided, well, we're going to look at how much we can extend federal authority under commerce. And they came out with Wickard versus Filburn in 1941, where this guy was growing out five acres of wheat to feed to his animals. And the Agricultural Adjustment Act gave the federal government authority to regulate all growth of wheat across the country. And they decided that, oh, growing your own wheat and feed your animals has a substantial impact on interstate commerce. So therefore, we're going to extend our authority into non-commercial uh, intrastate activities. Okay, and no one really cared a lot because, you know, it was, the war was on and blah, 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 blah. But then when the rage... A court dusted this old piece of shit decision out. It's like, wait a second, wait a second. You know, how can you say this? And Clarence Thomas was pretty blunt. States have a Tenth Amendment right to regulate stuff that goes on in their in their states, and the government does not have the authority to have anything to say about that. Okay. Well, let's bounce forward to now, and this is a direct challenge to Rach. We're in the initial pleading phases here, and I don't want to get too far in the weeds because it just puts people see, puts me to sleep. Okay, but we will continue to follow this as we see what the response of these plaintiffs is to all these um, statements by the, the federal government. <clears throat> but this is going to work its way up the chain of command because whether they dismiss this case and they appeal, or the case goes forward and something else happens and they appeal, this needs to work up through the appellate courts. And the Supreme Court's going to have to revisit Rache and hopefully overturn it. Because I don't believe, personally, the federal government should be able to tell you what can, you can do inside your house that never leaves your house uh, under interstate commerce authority. And the Supreme Court last addressed this in the Obamacare case. And they said, nah, the Commerce Clause doesn't give the authority to require someone to have health insurance. We'll make it a tax, but I'm hopeful that court we have right now will say, no, 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 this is an uh, unconstitutional extension of commerce authority and maybe give us a fighting chance um, to deal inside the state without the threat of federal prosecutions. Oh, we'll follow this as we go along. I'll bring it up occasionally, but I'm hopeful we can get this in front of the court, maybe get a victory uh, and reign in the federal government trying to control your lives here. Throw back at you. What do you guys think? I mean, man, I, I don't expect anything less from this administration or from this DOJ as we've watched them just blatantly step on people's rights left and right in all other types of topics and conversations and what and issues and whatnot. And so this is not any type of surprise to me. They just want to sweep it under the rug and pretend it never existed and that they never have to hear about it because they know they're wrong. Well, at least Obama had smoked weed before. So would Clinton. Um, Biden never liked it. Okay, nope. he uh, he was one of the primary authors and motivators of these crime bills that we still, mm -hmm. you know, labor under the extending the conspiracy laws to cover every goddamn thing. I mean, he helped light up the war on drugs as much as anybody back when uh, he was a senator. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm not really a big fan of his drug policies. Um, he has to be careful because his kid's a coke addict and you know you got to be careful what you say about use the drugs because yeah my son needs a nose job because he snorted so much coke and banged so many whores all around the world <laughs> oh man you know, dale keep hoping somebody's going to step in and get the drug mentality out of this and let's just leave people alone to have individual freedoms what the f are you involved in people's lives smoking wheat in their house come mm -hmm. on stop it mm-hmm I mean, I mean, technically, they had people snoring cocaine in this White House administration. 
Oh, it goes on. <laughs> Somebody just got caught and left it there, or maybe they planted it. I don't know. Hey, inside government, inside big business, when you want to wake up, you do a little bump. Well, People so, smoke weed. They drink a lot. You I'm know, willing, come on. I, I think I've been doing that in the Capitol for years, I, I, I <laughs> decades. Think, I, think, I think I know how it got there. I think I know how it got there because they said they found it somewhere like where people like leave their electronic devices. So I'm willing to bet Hunter like reached in his suit pocket and pulled it out and then grabbed the Coke baggie and the straw at the same time, not re realizing it, set it down, boom. And now it's underneath the phone on the, in the thing. And uh, when he goes to get his phone out, he just pulls his phone out and then the, 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 leaves the Coke and the straw behind. That's my theory. I don't think he was ever that careful with his Coke. That's part of my point. That's part of my point. He had a couple of little things dripping off his nose there. It's like, Hunter, get it off your nose, dude. You yep. look a little too good. Got a little sugar booger going on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I would love to see Hunter Biden and um, and, and Donald Trump Jr. In, in a cage match. Coked out of their uh, mouths. Cocaine cage match. Yes, cocaine <laughs> bears. Oh, man. Cocaine, cocaine bears. bears. Oh, man. We need Dana White for this. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, man. I think my money would have to be on Hunter. You put your money on Hunter over Don? He's, I, I think that the Don's Trump boys are a bunch of pusillanimous little bitches, and I don't think they could fight their way out of a wet paper bag. But yeah, but he's at least my sober. Opinion. He's they at least sober. They have a great plan until someone smacks him right in the mouth. Yeah, but see, but they've like, never been punched right in the face before. Yeah, but like Hunter, Hunter would like never. go there and like be all be all faded and possibly not even be able to walk. Like, did you see him in that video? Yeah, I, I, I think he stopped using coke, and I think he's trained to fight. I don't. I, I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. I, I don't believe that they're he stopped using drugs at all, bro. I grew up in a trailer park, and I watched people use drugs their entire life, and a lot of people don't quit unless they go into oh, rehab, I, and that ain't happening to Hunter. His parents, his mommy, and daddy ain't forcing him to go into rehab. Yeah, but um, I know a lot of vets, and uh, most of them are are better at fighting than I I anticipate the Trump boys would be. Mm-hmm. I'm fair, just fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Maybe we'll have to put a bet on it one day and hope that there is a big, big USA brawl. I'll reset their broken nose. How about that? Oh, yes. And on that, we are going <laughs> to go. Dana White set it up. Oh, man. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We need Dana White for this. We're going to roll right into a commercial. And we're going to be right back. The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The Control Tower from Highly Educated. Uh, stop whatever you're doing. Make sure you hit that like button. Do us a favor, do yourself a favor, and do YouTube a favor by hitting that like button. Also, make sure you subscribe to the channel if you have not subscribed already. And all of the articles that we cover on today's show you can read directly on our website at www.hyatt9news.com. And El Guapo says that he has his money on Baron Trump. I'm Jason Beck, and this is Smoky Vanilla. And if you want to feel as good as I look, then you need to get yourself a stretch and smoke with Smoky Vanilla. That's right, baby. I'm Smoky Vanilla with my background in kinesiology. I'm a sports massage therapist and stretch coach. I focus mostly on athletes who have chronic pain or injury due to their sport or the legends of the chronic in the game, baby. Oh, Yee! yeah, you know what it is. We just stretched and now we're going to smoke because you know what it is. That's right. I love intuitively creating a session based on the individual I'm working with. We'll go through a few assessments, look at the past health history, injury, or anything that's still affecting you today, and create a customized session just for you. Let's go. Yee! Instead of taking an easy route, sinking to new lows in life like the rest of the local Austin Delta A dabbers, our next correspondent hit the high road and ended up in a much better place than everybody else in the great purple state of Texas. Coming to the stage, another fellow dope dad, Stone Slade. What you got for us today, my man? Thank you, Rico. 
appreciate the uh, the intro, my friend. Good morning, Hyatt Niners. Today, my story comes straight out of Long Beach, where like a clear black night with a clear white moon, change is illuminating the city's approach to cannabis taxation. In a recent move, Long Beach City Council regulators mounted up to request drafting an ordinance to lower tax rates for cannabis businesses that align with specific hiring and compensation markers, as well as that are current with their tax obligations. Threw myself off. In the current landscape, Long Beach imposes a 6% excise tax on medical cannabis purchases, an 8% tax on adult use sales, and these rates are in addition to the city's 10.25% sales tax and the state's 15% excise tax. People, if you're not counting, that's almost 35% in taxes before the Fed takes their cut, which has many retailers feeling like they took my rings, they took my Rolex, and are struggling to keep pace with the illicit market. The proposed ordinance aims to cut taxes by one percentage point across the board for retailers with the opportunity to qualify for an additional three points, uh, three point deduction if they meet the good standing requirements. Cultivators are not left in the dark either as they're set to see their square footage tax drop Assembling a shift in the city's stance, now I'm switching my mind back into freak mode. However, to qualify for those tax breaks, businesses must navigate past existing tax challenges. Valencia Multa, aptly named as Multa translates to cannabis in Spanish, serves as the city's manager of cannabis oversight, highlighted a significant financial burden, approximately $6.6 million in unpaid taxes shadowing the industry. This figure is a stark reminder that before we can fully trans, trans, transition into this whole new era, there are old debts to be collected. It's a pivotal point in Long Beach's cannabis uh, narrative where the past and future intersect demanding resolution. City Council member Al Austin may well, might as well have just said, if your ass is a bust, a 213 will regulate, when he stated, I do not think, I do think that we should be heavy handed for those businesses that haven't been compliant with our taxes. And this statement reflects council's commitment to funk on a whole new level, balancing regulatory control with the industry's growth. To be eligible for larger tax cuts, businesses must be fully compliant with the permits and tax payments. They also need to meet additional criteria, like employing at least 40% of Long Beach residents and paying them 110 to 115% of the state's minimum wage. Retailers must also support equity businesses, reflecting a community-focused approach. The council anticipates these tax cuts could cost the city around $3 million annually. However, it's unclear just how many businesses will actually qualify for the largest reductions. The city council's decision is yet to be finalized, requiring two votes in the ordinance, in the ordinance for it to take effect, a process expected to be coming in the, in the, in the coming months. Some council members may feel like if you if you know like you know, I don't want to step to this. Fuck that up. Reflecting on Long Beach's decision to reduce cannabis taxes for compliant businesses, I initially saw it as a positive step forward. The intention to support, support above board operations with financial relief seems commendable, particularly with dispensary owners in, in, in Long Beach. Um, excuse me, particularly industry grappling with challenges like 280E uh, tax code. However, after engaging with dispensary owners in Long Beach, my perspective has shifted. On the surface, this tax break appears uh, beneficial, but in reality, it's a mirage for most. Most businesses struggling under the weight of operational costs are unlikely to meet the stringent qualifications set by the city. As one anonymous business owner put it, they suggested some ridiculous minimum pay, like $24 an hour, when the when they raise minimum wage next year with health care, so our bud tender will be making more than our executive. This disparity highlights a gap between well-intentioned policies and their practical and their practical on-the-ground impact, underscoring a disconnect that needs bridging for real progress in the industry. Will this help the city recoup $6.6 million in unpaid taxes? I'm not too sure about that. Sadly, some of these businesses may feel like they got my gun, they got a guns to my head, and I think I'm going down. So it may be a little, little too little too late. This scenario underscores the undergoing challenge in the cannabis market, finding the right balance between regulation and support for businesses. As we navigate this landscape, where if you smoke like I smoke, then you're high every day, it's crucial to remember that our goal is not just to regulate, but to ensure accessibility, fairness, and equity for all stakeholders in the industry. In the words of Mr. Elliot Lewis, weed for the people. I'm Stone Slade reporting for the Hyatt Nine. Oh, man. Oh, man. Stone Slade. Oh, man. I, you know what? I, I really don't. I, I don't trust this. I, I'm not. 
I, I this is this is this is like a wolf in sheep's clothing because you know ultimately this is really just a gift to the UFCW uh, to force people to unionize ultimately, especially right there in Long Beach. That's that that is the name of the game, and since over half, I think it's over half of the retailers are not are not uh are not up to date on their taxes and so this really this this actually will only only benefit less than half but it's really just a play to get people to join the union it's always conditional they can't just say oh we're going to cut your taxes in half Mm -hmm. cut them in half if you do x y and z and it who that's benefiting i don't know but it's hurting these businesses Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know why they can't make it the lowest tax so you get a business up and running. And then when they're profitable, now consider do we want to increase it because the business can afford it and they're going to actually pay them. Because right now, you know, how are you going to collect these taxes that they owe already? And now you're going to, mm-hmm. you know, force them to go take measures that cost the business money. I mean, this is the bottom line. Run a business every time a regulation is put on you, it costs you money. Is it a good regulation, a bad regulation, a you know neutral regulation? I don't know, but this is forcing a lot more costs on businesses that can't afford to operate right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's Dale, unbelievable. Dale, of those of those of those half of those retailers that uh, uh, can you take a guess as to how much those uh, half of the retailers owe the city of Long Beach and back owe taxes? Oh, they're well. They're telling you it's six million. Six point um, six million dollars, bro. Six point six million. Yeah, and they're never going to collect that. No, you put a lien on a business that goes. We, you know, we're just disappearing. Mm-hmm. We're selling our weed to New York, and we're disappearing. Go ahead and collect on us. Mm-hmm. We, we lease the building. You know, go ahead. Yep. Exactly. We're out of here. Peace out, you guys. California is not the place to be. In that respect well it's not just california every place is doing the same kind of nonsense it may be a different flavor of it but they overregulate and overtax mm-hmm. these businesses that are having trouble just keeping their doors open from the gate can't get funding you can't get banking you know employees inside your business snitch on you gangs go up and steal your shit at gunpoint it's really hard to do this okay and now you just do what we'll give you a tax break if you add more cost to your business mm-hmm why would you support that? Yep. Yep. And my grandpa was a teamster, so I'm in favor of organized labor. But the other side owns small businesses, and oh my God, it's a small business. You know, it's very difficult to meet all these requirements and, and stay profitable. I'd call it more organized racket of organized racket. I would call it organized labor, but nonetheless, everyone's entitled to their opinion. And we're going to be right back after this. Known to have a connection, you know? Mm -hmm. Get ready for the 20 year anniversary celebration of the Emerald Cup. The Emerald Cup will be held at the Henry J. Kaiser Center for the Arts in downtown Oakland, May 4th and 5th. Get your tickets now for best pricing. Cannabis categories include flour, pre-rolls, solventless concentrates, solvent concentrates, cartridges, edibles, topicals, tinctures, and alternative cannabinoids. So enter early for your chance to be a winner at the 20-year anniversary Emerald Cup competition. Oh, yes. Coming up next, that's right, it's Rochelle Gordon. She is the editor at Green State Magazine, and she will be out in California for the Emerald Cup coming up for this 20-year anniversary. That's right, it is none other than the Lego builder herself, Miss Rochelle Gordon. Oh, Emerald Cup cannot wait. And yes, I have my first Lego build of 2024 right here, the Piranha Plant from Mario. Very Uh excited about Mm -hmm. that. So my story today was written by yours truly for Green State. And the title is Rescheduling Cannabis May Have Unintended Consequences. So let's, let's dive right in. The current cannabis rescheduling review has many people wondering what's ahead for the nascent industry. As federal officials mull the recommendation to move the plant from Schedule 1 to Schedule 3, questions remain about what, if anything, would change in states that have already legalized marijuana. 
Some within the cannabis industry have praised the potential switch, arguing rescheduling would help bolster the fledgling market by removing undue tax burden and increasing banking access. Others say uh, rescheduling is not full legalization, fearing that Schedule 3 would simply allow the pharmaceutical industry to swoop in since substances in the category are regulated by the Food and Drug Administration. But how do consumers feel? According to a new survey, rescheduling may send them back underground. NUGMD, a company that connects medical marijuana patients with qualifying doctors, sponsored the study. The team wanted to reveal the opinions of current cannabis consumers on the rescheduling debate. Using an opt-in email list, just under, just under 800 people responded to the query. The biggest revelation? If cannabis were only available at a pharmacy, which some believe would happen if the plant were moved to Schedule 3, Nearly one-third of current consumers would buy from the illicit market instead. The survey didn't ask where consumers were currently getting their cannabis. It's possible the people who said they would illegally obtain weed are already doing so without much fear of retribution. However, 55% of the respondents said they would go to the pharmacy if it were the only way to get pot legally. A whopping 77% of participants said they would prefer to, quote, buy traditional botanical cannabis products sold at legacy cannabis dispensaries versus FDA-approved cannabis products sold at pharmacies. Only 18% wanted to pick up their weed at the local drugstore. 5% said neither. Not really sure where they would get their weed then. So would rescheduling lead to meaningful change? Some Washington insiders have insisted that little would change if cannabis were to become a Schedule Three substance. Howard Slamberg, a former high-ranking FDA official, recently told Political, Politico, quote, if you're going to launch an enforcement initiative against cannabis, why would you start off with saying, oh, by the way, it's a less risk of, than we thought? Survey respondents weren't so sure. When asked how rescheduling would affect consumer access to cannabis, Approximately 47% said nothing would change, and roughly one quarter believe it may become easier to get weed. 28% thought rescheduling would actually make it harder to obtain cannabis. When asked if they would prefer a national market for cannabis or the continuation of separate state markets, 69% of respondents wanted to stick to the status quo. Roughly 27% wanted to see a unified nationwide market. The poll also broke down the rescheduling versus descheduling debate for participants. They were told that rescheduling would not remove penalties for recreational cannabis sales, while descheduling would by removing the plant entirely from the CSA. Upon learning this, 85% of participants said they prefer the government to deschedule. Now, the final question centered on whether participants trusted the federal government to impose penalties on illegal sales of cannabis impartially if it were to become a Schedule Three drug, or if racially biased enforcement would continue. Only 17% of respondents thought the government would take fair action, and 83% felt that Schedule Three would just be more of the same. Deb Tharp, head of legal and policy research at NUGMD, expressed skepticism that Schedule Three would change the current cannabis landscape, particularly as it relates to unfair prosecution. Quote, disparate selective enforcement based on racial profiling has been the norm for many decades. Cannabis use is ubiquitous, so as any enforcement, whether under Schedule 1 or 3, would be selective, our total green state. I don't believe the false reassurances that they, the government, aren't interested in enforcing anymore. If there were no interest in continuing to enforce prohibition, then the conversation we're having would be entirely about descheduling. As the community waits to see if the government will take action on reform, it's clear there are mixed emotions on the subject. While rescheduling or descheduling would indeed bring about some change, the extent remains to be seen. Given the results of the NUG-MD poll, the results of rescheduling may not be what the government has in mind, aka, what do we always say? The trap always wins. So, Rochelle Gordon reporting for Green State at High at Nine News. What do you guys think about this? Man, Rochelle, see, this just proves the yeah. point. If it goes to Schedule Three, less people are going to be shopping in stores, and they're just going to be like, "We're just going to keep on keep the trap alive and fueling it." Man, that's an interesting, interesting article, Rico. 
Mm-hmm. I think there's an underlying assumption here that if it goes scheduled through, you'll be able to go someplace and actually buy flour or weed. Mm-hmm. Okay? I don't see that happening. Nope. I don't see them selling products that you inhale in any way. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because the FDA is never going to approve you to use your lungs that way unless you do extensive testing and the ingredients that go into it, they're just not going to do it. So you're going to end up with Epidiolex and, yep. and uh, Sativex or something like that. That's yep. a tincture. Little capsules edibles. and topicals and all of that. Yep. No smokable. You're, just, you're not going to get it. And mm-hmm. if you look at what happened when they, they moved commercial pro- or, uh, government production away from the University of Mississippi and got a couple of other cultivators, mm-hmm. hoops they had to jump through to be able to grow weed was unbelievable. So if it goes to Schedule 3, the people in the industry right now that are looking forward are going to have to you know, grow their shit for the black market because you're never going to get approval from the government to grow it, to go into this legal market. I just don't see it happening. It's going to ruin social equity. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be very selective. Anybody yep. with a criminal record, anything like that, is never going to be able to touch this industry. Yep. I, I just see it as a disaster. And they're right. People go, forget, I'll go buy it around the corner. The guy around the corner has got some decent flour. Buy. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Apple will win. It's like, peace, I'm out. And it's cheaper. And there's less tax. And it's just a straight yep. dollar amount. I don't got to deal with change. None of that. Here you yeah. go. Here's 40 bucks. I show my ID and any of that None shit. of that. None of that. Not to mention, I'm out and about. You can come come meet me at the store as I'm walking out the, you know what I mean? And boom, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Convenience, convenience, convenience. And it is, it is, I mean, it the is only realistic solution is to deschedule it, mm-hmm. get completely out of there, and remove the federal government's ability to control this criminally and make it a taxable item. <laughs> you can still criminalize that, but mm-hmm. tax it in interstate commerce and leave it alone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, That's too I, easy. you know what they say, Dale, you know, they say the hand is quicker than the eye. All yeah. those fast transactions, well, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the one thing you can learn from history is people don't learn from history. <laughs> and the experience we've gone through where this, this is just stupid. It's not going to work. Well, it, we'll try it anyway. Well, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, insanity is doing the same goddamn thing over again, expecting a different result. Mm-hmm. Not going to happen. Exactly. Exactly. I'm, I'm with you, Dale, on this. We're going to thank you so much for that, Rochelle, because that that is a real, real problem going on and, uh, Mm -hmm. and is going to be even major problem if, if, if it does happen and, uh, they, they get their way and they go to schedule three, I'm telling you guys, it's going to be all bad, but no one wants to listen, but nonetheless, I got one more final closeout story. You're going to enjoy this. You guys, I think, especially you stone. I think, I think you're going to enjoy this. (laughs) Can't wait. (laughs) <laughs> Two cruise passengers allegedly brought more than 100 bags of marijuana on board. That's right. Two Norwegian cruise line passengers allegedly bought more than 100 bags of marijuana on the line's Norwegian joy ship. Michael uh, Queensberry of Savannah Rose, uh, Minami, uh, brought roughly 71.9 kilograms combined on a sailing on on a sailing that was set to depart from Miami from South to Miami for Southampton, England on January 11th. According to a criminal complaint filed in the Southern District of Florida, law enforcement discovered 56 vacuum-sealed bags of a green leafy substance in Queensberry's luggage after a drug-sniffing dog indicated its presence. The substance later uh, filed a, a failed tested positive for marijuana. The passenger claimed that his marijuana was for personal use and that he had a marijuana card back in California. An affidavit signed by the Department of Homeland Security Special Agent Joseph Agroni said. Law enforcement initially encountered uh, Queensberry in in Miami uh, together in a, in a passenger room. But she said she did not know Queensberry before meeting him at the bar on the ship and was allowed to go on her way. After the discovery, however, law enforcement found Miniami at a bar on board and searched her luggage, which similarly contained 56 vacuum-sealed bags of what later, later, uh, fe- later field tested positive for marijuana. 
in quotes, based on my training and experience, the packaging and quantity of marijuana in the luggage belonging to each of the each of Queensbury and Miami is consistent with drug trafficking and distribution. The affidavit said further, based on my training and experience, drug traffickers are increasingly turning to exploration of marijuana or excuse me, ex- exportation of marijuana from the United States to England due to the higher price of marijuana in England. Well, duh. Both are charged with conspiracy to possess with intent to distribute controlled substance and possession with intent to distribute a controlled substance. And an attorney for Queensbury declined to comment and Norwegian and uh, and an attorney for Miami did not immediately respond to a request for comment. While U.S. state laws around marijuana vary, it remains illegal at the federal level and is prohibited aboard cruise ships because that is international waters. And what do you guys think about this? Man, she almost got away, but she was stuck on the ship and couldn't get couldn't secure the bag. And nowhere to go. She literally <laughs> couldn't secure the bag. <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe they made it out of port because I thought they had the drug sniffing dogs at the port now sniffing all the bags before they even got on the ship. I guess they don't. I guess that's a long they, cruise. Uh, you need a 150 pounds. That's a that's a real long cruise, man. <laughs> yeah, a long time to think about what you did. <laughs> hey, I mean, I mean, at least, I mean, at least it beats driving. You don't have to worry about getting pulled over. Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess. You can think about that while they're using a spork in federal prison. Man, <laughs> Dale, Dale, is there is there any way that they could argue their way out of this? Like, say, oh well, it was for personal use. Well, I, let's try one. I smoked weed. I lost my mind. I know I was no idea what I was doing. It was oh. weed psychosis. So you know, you know, I'm 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 I, not guilty. No. Yeah, try that. Yeah, you'll be eaten with that same spore. Oh, well, hold on, hold on, Dale, hold on, Dale. We covered a story yesterday that that actually worked for on a homicide case. I, I know, I, I I get it. I understand that's why I said it. I, I wouldn't have done Try this that. if I wasn't, if no. I wasn't smoking <laughs> high potency weed. Uh, I didn't know I can do that, officer. California law says that um, I can blame the weed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I mean, what 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 do you think about this, Stone? I mean, you're on a cruise ship. That's stupid. That's what are you doing? What are you doing? You're stuck in a can. You're like, dude. Yeah. To personal use, I mean, allegedly, I hear that's possible. You can get away with that. But 150 pounds? What are you doing? Bro. Individually wrapped bags. Smoking a lot of weed in its home. Yeah. It's crazy. Crazy, bro. These people didn't invest any dryer sheets, it seems like. All she had to say, all she had to say, she's an elderly person. You know how elderly people like separate all their pills and you know every in, in individual uh, um, containers and mm-hmm. shit like that. Like hey, this is uh, fifty days worth, and, and the cruise was you know for uh, two months, and um, is this is my uh, medicine. So yeah. Um, sorry. Yeah, yeah I want to see him declare the lap test. I want to see him declare that at customs. Yeah, declare that at customs, bro. Good luck with that. <laughs> oh man oh man is that... don't bring weed on cruises man yes is that is so now that weed is fresh off the boat <laughs> i see what you did there mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> any other comments on yeah much survived storage in the evidence locker right well I, I, i'm I just guess. imagining in the sense that since since it, like it didn't depart the boat until they finally made it to england that probably maybe the maybe the i think they're called bobbies out there maybe maybe they could have resold this to their communities yeah, so I wonder if this. Uh, I wonder if they uh, these people have any relation to the traffickers that were trying to get all those bags on the planes a few months ago, uh, directly from California too. They couldn't get it by plane. Now they're trying by boat. I don't know. I think these guys need to take a page out of the cartels playbook and just buy a submarine. Just buy the government, man. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, thank you all for joining us for yet another episode of High at Night News. You can catch us live weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific, high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our super fans showing love, getting their comments posted live on the big screen. Our live audience and online supporters catching us across all media platforms, tuning in each day to the headlines of chaos, also known as the developing cannabis industry. To our vetted correspondent team, tuning in from all over, bringing this much-needed variety of perspective and your respected opinions to the table. Our production team, Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, and all of our sponsors keeping the lights on. AV struggles to a minimum. And of course, Adam, behind the scenes, who rode to work today with his head out the window so we didn't have to brush and get his hair all feathered. Mm-hmm. Looking Ace fabulous. Ace Ventura. Yeah, that is all. 
Cannabis Sativa L, the reason that we show up to read these stories every single day. Thank you as well. It has been Thursday, January 25th, 2024. The show's over. You've been blessed with the top industry headlines. Hope it was enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until tomorrow. My name is Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street. And uh, we're going to give it to uh, Dale for the outro. Oh, oh. Okay. <clears throat> well, let me just remind people that human beings are violent creatures and smoke and weed decreases violence. Okay. So for all of us out there who have those occasional violent tendencies, just remember, smoking a blunt will calm you down, give you an appetite, and let you, let you punch a pillow next to your girlfriend rather than going out there and shooting up a school. So let's all keep on the good path to being decent, quality, peaceful human beings and the, bring out the better angels of our nature because the bad na- angels of our nature We're violent. Mm -hmm. We are violent. We are violent. So let's be peaceful. Go forward.